This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. For your next mistake, I put in work and watch my status escalate. Corn balls get stonewalled, blackballed. I own y'all, the veteran. All right, welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, conference championship weekend has been wrapped up. The college football playoff poll was released earlier today. We know who the top four are. The final four are set. This past weekend was truly awesome. What a great weekend for the podcast. What a great weekend for college football. We got to spend it a lot together between yourself and myself and then with our fans and listeners as well. Awesome weekend in Atlanta for the SEC Championship. How are you, dude? Before we jump into everything, let's just catch up a little bit. It's been about 12 hours since I've seen you, so I'm a little bit worried about you. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine. My voice is a little, uh, a little tired okay. from screaming and yelling in the Mercedes Benz dome yesterday. I actually had a, uh, a little interview this morning at 8:20 with Kincaid, so I roll out of bed at 8:10, and uh, I'm out there. I feed the dogs real quick. <laughs> I jump on the call with him, and my voice cracked like a 10 year old. My first question I answered. And I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. This is just bad. <laughs> so I'm just trying to get through it without like, you know, croaking again. And I finished it all right. And I had to text him apologizing afterwards like, hey, man, my did apology. He st- <laughs> did he say anything at the little- time or no? No, he didn't say anything at the time. I'm sure he was chucking a little bit. And I was like, hey, my bad. I kind of got a little wild screaming, yelling for the dogs <laughs> at the Mercedes Benz Stadium yesterday. And I just been just. Tr- uh, drinking tea and honey left and right and uh, feeling a little bit better. The throat's getting there, ready to rock and roll. I actually feel like my, my voice is a little deeper, so maybe this is a good thing. Yeah, dude. You got a little bit of grit to your voice. You got a little party yeah, I don't going sound, on. I don't sound as much as uh, as McLovin, as everyone says anymore, <laughs> so I guess it's a good thing. McLovin? I have not heard that. I kind of like that. Really? Yeah. I, I've never heard that, but now I can understand. You should have never told me that. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a It was a absolutely awesome weekend for us in Atlanta we were all over the place and thanks so much to all of our fans and listeners who came and joined us at Sweetwater and at Stats Saturday morning and that's made possible really because of the following that we've gotten on social media and on social media we are at punt and pass on Twitter and Instagram punt and pass at gmail.com Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 I am at Drew Butler 13 but we started off the weekend Friday night with a live podcast taping it was our first ever 
live podcast, and we did it at Sweetwater Brewery in Atlanta um, because of my shortcomings. We had some technical difficulties at first, but I think that actually helped us out because we got started around 7 or so, and it was packed in there. A lot of people showed up. The beer was flowing. The atmosphere was great. It was a nice, cool, crisp fall evening in Atlanta, and I just thought it went Really, really well. Big shout-out to everybody who showed up. I thought it was a blast. Big shout-out to Rick Pope for hitting us up with those koozies. That was awesome. And then um, I had a great Friday night. I know that. We went to dinner at Hal's. My wife and I did. Had a late night at Hal's. Nice little 16-ounce bone-in filet. Shout-out, Hal's, if you're interested Mm. in sponsoring. Let me know. Aaron, I know you went out to dinner with your family and Sharon as well. But how cool is that at Sweetwater, just to see everybody interested in the podcast and to come hang out with us? Yeah, we had a blast. I mean, just the whole weekend, all the events, and obviously starting Friday night with Sweetwater, getting to be out and about, doing the live podcast. We had a blast doing it. I had a lot of great feedback from the fans and and people saying how much they enjoyed not only listening but being there, asking us questions giving out some koozies and other cool merchandise that we have rolling out right now. So we'll continue. And the good thing is, you know, we got another month of this season, so we're going to continue finding ways to get out there. So everyone continue to listen, continue to be on the lookout because uh, we're going to get out there continue having fun. Uh, and then we'll have some fun today too, taking some questions from some fans, uh, getting a little bit more interactive as we get going. Yeah, no question. And Sweetwater at Friday night, we had an awesome sponsor, Move Performance Apparel. They hooked us up with some sweet gear. I know a lot of girls were asking us about it because they wanted to get it for their significant others with the holidays rolling around. And we might be thinking about doing some punt and pass merchandise with Move Performance Apparel. And the cool thing about Move, if you go to their Instagram, at Move Performance Apparel, and if you go to my Instagram, at DrewButler13, if you see me wearing a button-down, about a 95% chance that it is a Move Performance Apparel button-down. And for everyone that's listening, if you go to MovePerformanceApparel.com and use the promo code PUNTANDPASS, P-U-N-T-A-N-D-P-A-S-S, you get 25% off your full priced order so that's a great way to get the christmas shopping going that is pretty sweet we followed it up aaron saturday morning with the stats which is downtown right in between mercedes-benz stadium and the college football hall of fame did an awesome facebook live simulcast in conjunction with the uga vault that was cool too because you could just really feel the atmosphere feel it getting going we went on uh on facebook live at about 11 a.m And, dude, the streets of Atlanta were juiced up, a lot of red and black. Stats, surprisingly, though, heavy Auburn crew. It was good to get down there early and get the juices flowing. Yeah, someone actually told me ahead of time, I was like, yeah, we're going to be going to Stats. And they kind of warned me, like, hey, that's more of an Auburn bar. Just going to let you guys know ahead of time. I was like, listen, we are an SEC podcast. I know we both went to Georgia. But we, we want to expand. We want to grow. We can't so show too much bias to Georgia. So I think it was a good thing to kind of show our faces. In front of some Auburn fans, we didn't get any heckling or booing or any of that kind of thing. So that was that was nice. I think they're saving it for the game time. And, uh, and, yeah, it was a good way to start. But I tell you what, the city looked awesome. I tell you what, oh, Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta shined. And, and my parents were up from Tampa, and that's one of the things my mom was telling me today. And she was like, I tell you what, because they're looking to move to Atlanta in about yeah. a year. They were saying I this is just an awesome place. How clean it was, the excitement, the food, the restaurants, the weather. I mean, you could not have asked for a more beautiful weekend to be in Atlanta, Georgia. I can only hope it's the same way uh, in January when we do host a national championship. 
No, you're totally right. I mean, it was a picture-perfect weekend to be in Atlanta. And, and with the teams that were there as well, Georgia and Auburn, such an easy commute to get there and really take in everything that the city had to offer. It was a lot of fun. And again, when we were at Stats, we did that simulcast live with the UJ Vault. And the UJ Vault is an awesome app um, for Georgia fans, but they also have an Auburn Vault. They have an Alabama Vault. And it's an app that you download on your phone, and it's like a time machine inside your phone. I have it. I know Aaron got it after this weekend, but it's really cool because you can search by year. You can search by player. You can search by which team that your favorite team has been playing against and go back and find archival footage that you cannot find anywhere else. You can Google it. You can YouTube it. It won't be there. It is significantly unique to each Vault app. And again, we were with the UGA Vault, so a big shout-out to them. Download it if you don't have it yet. Go check out their Facebook page, which is where our Saturday morning podcast was simulcast live on Facebook Live. But it's really, really cool. And I know with Auburn playing so well, Alabama playing so well, and Georgia playing so well, everybody wants to get the Vault to make sure that they are tip-top of the fan base, which is where I want to be, hopefully. Speaking of Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia, the college football Final Four got released earlier today. We're going to get to that in a bit. But keeping on tabs with this weekend, you were with CBS, dude. You were on CBS before the game started. I saw you Instagram, at Aaron Murray 11, chilling on set with Danielson. How cool was that? That's the big leagues right there. I'll tell you what. I was uh, a little nerve-wracking, but it was fun to get up there with Zucker I tell you what, his his He's voice good. is almost his Zucker's voice really is almost good. as yeah. magical as yours. I don't know oh, if it's, it's Drew Butler no, it's, quality. Yeah, it's a couple, but it's, it's a up couple, there. It's a couple notches below. But as a it's as somebody good. with a great voice like myself, I can say firmly that Adam Zucker is a stud. There's no doubt. Oh, he's a stud. And then being up there with Gary, uh, it was kind of cool. I wasn't expecting him to be there so close to game time, but he came down and we just had a little little chat previewing the game. And of course, they had to. Throw in the 2012 highlights. Oh, of course, right. <laughs> get my get my uh, get my opinion. I told Zucker, I was like, man, you're gonna make me cry on TV once again. But we we had a fun time just chatting up, and then we kind of discussed both quarterbacks. And Gary took Stidham, and I took Fromm, and kind of broke down the strengths of both guys and what should, what we should expect that night. Obviously, I picked the winner in Fromm there for the night. And, yes, sir. Uh, but no, it was fun. It, it's great. Actually, Zucker called me this morning. He's like, dude, you did great. I've been watching all year. You've been doing good. You want to do some more in studio? I was like, yeah, let's bring it on, man. Get the more the merrier. So um, yeah, we'll you, see what, you the, think... what the big league guys uh, want to do with me coming up, and especially with Georgia now in the in the playoffs. The more the merrier. They want to get me on a little bit more TV. Yeah, the more the merrier, baby. <laughs> I'm doing the money sign, the Johnny Manziel money <laughs> sign to Murray right now. But yes, uh, you. I think it was really cool to see you do that. Um, and it's awesome to hear Zucker tell you that because everybody who's followed you throughout the year and, and understanding that you just started literally right when the podcast started, it goes to show how well you've done. And uh, I think we're all very proud of you. So bravo, buddy. That is really, oh, appreciate really it, man. cool to see. Uh, before the game, I, I think while you were on CBS, I was on 680 The Fam in Atlanta. Uh, I helped out with their tailgate show. We were right across the street from Phillips Arena off of Marietta Street, and it was wild. It was a blast. Huge tailgate. I was on Brian Hoyt, your boy, Murray, King Troll, Brian Hoyt, and Carlos Medina, and we had a blast. I mean, it was awesome. We might have talked about football for 10 minutes in uh, in about 90 minutes, so it was more so just a lot of fun hanging out with sponsors and chilling. So thanks to 680 for letting me 
come help them out. But the big news today, college football playoff, top four released. I think the top three teams, everybody knew what was going to go on. If you listen to Punt and Pass, you understand that I am. Would you call me a closet Clemson fan or a bandwagon Clemson fan? Because if I'm being truthfully honest, I've liked Clemson for like the past three years. That's when they've been good. I would lean more so towards bandwagon Clemson fan, but you've heard me gush about them all year. What would you characterize me as Clemson-wise? I think you're an educated analysis uh, head of a podcast, all this good stuff. You're an educated man. You're just educated. You do your research. You're prepared each and every week, and you know what you're talking about. So I'm not going to label you as a bandwagoner just yet. I think think you you back it up with great facts. You watch the games. You see these guys playing each and every week. And I completely agree with you. I, I They look damn good this past yeah. week. I know Miami was a little bit down, some injuries. They obviously had the tough loss the week before versus Pittsburgh, but they waxed them. Yes. It wasn't even close. From from the first minute the game started, it was just a butt whooping. And I think right now, if you have to look at this playoffs, uh, I, I think they're the best team heading in at the moment. By far the, the best defense. And then also you got to throw in, when you got a quarterback in Kelly Bryant, when you have a quarterback – who's a dual threat guy. And when going back to last year, when, when Clemson played Alabama, it's such a tough task for these defenses to kind of contain those guys. Yeah, and no he's question. had a full year maturing as a quarterback. And he really took it another step farther this weekend against a good Miami defense. And he just carved them up with his legs and his arm. He really did. Clemson named the number one team in the college football playoff poll. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Georgia. Those, I think, could have gone either way, and and who really cares because they're going to play each other out west in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. But the number four team, and ESPN did a brilliant job of teasing it because I think they announced that the playoff show would be at noon, and and they announced the number four seed at like 12.50. It took them forever to announce it, Ohio State was involved, USC was said to be involved, and then, of course, Alabama was named the number four team in the final college football playoff poll. So the rubber match comes January 1st in New Orleans. The Sugar Bowl will be number one Clemson against number four Alabama in the Rose Bowl out west, number two Oklahoma against number three Georgia to decide who plays in the national championship game January 8th in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Aaron, I don't even want to get into it yet because we've got such a long time until then, and everybody will be tuning in to Punt and Pass to find out who we like and what we think will happen. But do you think the committee got it right by putting Alabama in at the four spot? I think they got it right. I'm not going to lie. I was a little surprised, though. Yeah, if, I, if I'm, if I'm putting I, my yeah. mind into the, into the committee, I always think they're going to put Ohio State just for the fact – that I do believe winning your conference does mean something at the end of the day. I believe it means a great deal to everyone. And 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 honestly, if you want to look at it, you want to look at the SEC right now, Georgia, just based off this weekend, Georgia, yeah. Auburn, then Alabama. Alabama's the third best team in the SEC. Yes. Yet they're in it. But they are – I think it's a strength of the team. I think they are a very good team. I think they're injured. I think if they were healthy versus Auburn, I think it would have been a very different game. And I think the committee looked at it saying, hey, listen, they've had this week to heal. They're going to have another three weeks, four weeks to get healthy. They're going to be at the best they've been this entire season. And, and at that point, I think they're the best team in the country, if not just behind Clemson when okay. they are fully healthy. So 
that's why I think they're looking ahead and they know it's a better matchup too. When you look at it on paper, Clemson versus Alabama, another reason why I wasn't sure if they would, is just the fact that you have three teams now all in the Southeast, not the conference, obviously, but Clemson, Clemson. Georgia and all and Alabama. And you kind of just say to the rest of the country, like, Oh, you guys really don't matter. Everyone in the Midwest and out West as well. Uh, So that's why I thought they would maybe diversify it just a little bit, but just based on talent experience, Alabama travels well, as we all know it. I think it was a smart decision. And I think Clemson's actually probably a little pissed off because I'm sure they looked at like, okay, we can handle Ohio State. We proved it last year. We can beat the brakes off those guys. Alabama is a completely different team than Ohio State. And I think right now, I think that's going to be a really, really exciting game to watch. I think Alabama has a legitimate chance to beat them. Yeah, that's the committee's dream right there to get that Alabama-Clemson rubber match out of the way before the national championship. Let them decide who gets to play for it all. Let's not forget one thing, though, Aaron. Alabama's best win of the season, based off of the college football playoff rankings, is against number 17 LSU. That's their best win of the season. For comparison, Georgia's beaten number 14 Notre Dame, and of course this is at the end, and number 7 Auburn. Um, well, you I, want to look at Ohio State, though. Yeah, I mean, Ohio yeah. State, obviously, they beat Penn State. They beat Michigan State 48-3, and then they go and beat Wisconsin this past weekend. I think the committee just really weighed it heavily on that Ohio- Iowa loss. Yes. I mean, they really took that into consideration, the fact that they lost to Iowa in November 5524 uh, they I think that that's Let me ask crazy. you a question though. Okay, so they lost to Iowa big time by 31 points. They also lost to November. Oklahoma okay, big time. If big if time. they would have scheduled an FCS opponent besides Oklahoma and won, so their only loss being to 30 a 31 point loss to Iowa, would Ohio State have gotten in? I think you I think Listen, I'm not a huge fan of Ohio State. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. I don't we've think their conference is extremely tough. They're the most inconsistent team in the nation. By far the yes. most. I mean, obviously, they got their butts waxed by Oklahoma, then got their butt waxed by Iowa. They're too high and cold for me. They also had some close games as well throughout the season. It, it was a coin toss, though, yeah. because they did beat some quality opponents, and they are, at the end of the day, they did win their conference, just like USC won their conference, and that, the Pac-12 was still very down this year. But it's something was going to have to give. You're either going to have to put for the first time a two-loss team in the playoffs, or you're going to have to put a, a two teams from one conference. And obviously, they put a lot of pressure on the SEC, though. I tell you, what, if the SEC goes right now and loses both of these games, yeah, that is a bad, bad, bad look for the SEC. But the college At football least one, playoff, one has to win. One the college win. football playoff committee is there to tell you, and they always say we, you know, we go week to week by this. So if they were to, if the SEC teams were to lose both games on January first, and then they hold it against the SEC next year, they're contradicting themselves. Will they do it? Yes, of course they'll do it because they're human. They did it again this well, year they, because they're talking about the Big Ten the past two years. Michigan and Ohio State haven't scored a point in the college football playoff the past two years. Well, look at look at Saban contradicting himself. I oh, mean, last year oh, he was he oh would last God, year he was saying ridiculous. you know you need to win your conference in order to get into the playoffs, and then this year <laughs> he's saying, oh no, you don't. It's fine. We have you know we're still the best team. We deserve a chance. I mean, it's all it's all political. It's, it's year political. to year. But I tell you what, it's going to be hard for the SEC to claim two spots again in years to come if they don't win at least one of these games that first week of January. No, you're totally right. And and if you listen to how I love to talk positively about Clemson, 
Um, maybe you could guess where I'll go when we break down that game. But my quick reaction, I tweeted it out earlier today at Drew Butler 13. I love the matchup for Georgia against Oklahoma and your boy Baker Mayfield. I think that's going to be a great game. And uh, I like Clemson. I just like Clemson. So we're going to break that down way later on, though. But speaking of breaking down games, dude, Aaron, you went 5-0-1 against the spread this past El weekend. Fuego. El Fuego. And, and don't forget... And don't forget about my over under on the UCF game, that which was, was that was your like life century ADT I sure lock put some of money the week. On that one, it was unbelievable. You came out and said, "Everybody listening to me right now, take the over." It was sixty two to fifty five. The over under was eighty two, and you just blew it out of the water. So props to you, man. You went five zero and one that UCF game. We had the line at UCF minus seven. They pushed for you. I went three, two, and one on the weekend. So respectable, I guess. The push kind of screwed me. You finished the season, Aaron, thirty-one and twenty-three against the spread. Bravo! First time doing this. Mm. Very, very well done. I went thirty and twenty-five. So you get the trophy. I don't know what the trophy is. I guess I could take an ornament off my Christmas tree Listen, that I'm looking at right now and give it to you. you. Know what the- well, first off, you already owe me fifty bucks. I was going to ask you for your Venmo. Did you accept yeah. my re- request? Well, that's what I'm saying though. I think, I think, I think the winning the season just just <laughs> double want... and just throw me a hundo. Just okay. throw me a quick hundo, and Here's we'll call deal. it even Here's for the, the season. Deal. I'll, I'll give you a proposal. Either I can Venmo you fifty dollars right now, live during the show, and and you can let all of our listeners know that you have received it, or since we don't see each other enough. I'll give you $100 cash in person the next time we see each other, which I don't know when that'll be because you don't like me that much. You just fake it here on the podcast. I'll give you $100 in cash in person or $50 Venmo right now for our listeners to understand that we take our we take our stuff seriously. What I was want? wondering. I, I did see a Venmo uh, friend, requ- friend request from you earlier today, and that, it does debts. make sense. I you pay do, my debts. You're, you're a Lannister. You pay your debt. It's I funny, appreciate though, that. It's funny. On social media, Like I woke up this morning and I had – a lot of tweets that are like, LOL, you owe Aaron 50. Have you paid Aaron yet? Hey, Aaron, what are you going to do with Drew's 50 bucks? So do you know what you're going to do with the 50 bucks? Like, you know what I'm sh- doing? Does Sharon want like a nice brunch or something? What's the deal? Yeah, no, I already have my plan. We've already actually bought the ticket, so this is just reimbursing me. Okay, cool. I'm taking Sharon to a nice little date night tonight. We're going to go see Justice League. So she is a oh, big... Sweet. Uh, it's her like Women Crush Wednesday is uh, Superwoman or Wonder Woman or whatever yeah. her name is, so... Well, Which, yeah. You know what? In movies it's nowadays, it, it costs like fifty bucks if you're if you're so, taking your significant yeah. other stuff. That's perfect. I will gladly perfect. we appreciate sponsor. you paying for our date night. Yes. Okay. So Aaron and Sharon's date night at Justice League brought to you by Drew Butler's losing under <laughs> bet in the SEC championship. Speaking of championship games, let's just run through these real quick. We'll break them on down. Start Friday night again. We were live at Sweetwater Friday night. I didn't see too much of this game. I watched a lot of the highlights. I read a lot of the breakdowns. USC beats Stanford. 31 to 28. Aaron, we called the line Stanford plus four. We both took Stanford with the points. Therefore, we won against the spread. I thought Stanford would win. I think you said Stanford would win also just based off of Bryce Love, the running game, the time of possession. But Sam Darnold showed some stones. And USC, great win for them. I think it was the first time ever the South has won the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, it's been since 2008 since USC has won the won the Pac-12 championship. And like you said, Sam Darnold had a heck of a night, 17-24, 325, two touchdowns. And we talked about it. We alluded to it last week, his problem with turnovers. It was heavy at the beginning of the season, a lot of turnovers. 
towards the end of the year, the last six games, he's gotten better protecting the football. And with that big win, and if they win their bowl game, it'll be interesting to see what his decision is, whether it's to stay another year, where it's to head to the NFL draft, because he's kind of proven, yeah, at the end of the year, I think he is a NFL caliber quarterback. Obviously, they're going to kind of look at his turnovers for the season, the interceptions, the inconsistency at the beginning of the year will be kind of a question mark. So he is a big decision, but a great way for him to finish the season off. Bryce Love had a great game as well, 125 and a touchdown. He looked a little banged up towards the end of the game, not completely healthy. Obviously, when you're carrying the ball 20, 25, 30 times every game the whole season, it starts to wear on you. It looked like it wore on him throughout the game. Uh, but it was an exciting game. It was a great way to start the weekend off with the 31-28. And Stanford had a chance, man. Yeah, they were they down. They were at the ball first and goal at the one-yard line. Got in offsides. Ended up not scoring to kind of you know get it even closer and maybe take the lead. Uh, and then at, at that point, USC kind of just finished the drill, got it to two scores, and it was just too much for Stanford. They're not really built late in the game to come back from a two-score game. So... Fun game, though. Fun way to start the weekend on Friday night. Yeah, no question. I was watching the end of that game at Howe's, and a lot of people were tuned in. They were, they were excited for football to be going, and, and just to have, like you said, a good football game to kick off the weekend, that was important. More important, though, you and I picked it correctly against the spread. Stanford, I'm not sure what bowl game they're going to. I know all the bowl games were coming out earlier today. Um, if you have that in front of you, Aaron, you can say it out loud, but... USC is going to a New yep. Year's Six Bowl. They're going to They're the Fiesta Bowl. They're playing TCU. Okay, so Stanford's playing TCU in the, is it the Holiday I'm Bowl? Look, I'm looking at it right now. I'm trying to find it. I believe it's, yeah, they're playing TCU. Can't find it at the moment, but we'll hit you up in a little okay, bit with I it. I think USC's playing Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. That'll be a really good game. I'm excited to hear. That'll be a great game yeah, right there. That'll be a great game. Okay, the next game, this was, um, well, is you know what? Al- it's the Alamo, Alamo Bowl. Bowl. Okay, that'll be – I like TCU that game. TCU for Stanford in the Alamo Bowl. Awesome. The next game I'm going to go to, you got mad at me uh, last week because I went to it too late. Let's go to your ADT security lock of the week. You said UCF Memphis over. Ooh. UCF beats Memphis 62-55 to in double overtime. Really cool scene because when they won the game, Scott Frost told his guys, I'm leaving, I'm going to Nebraska. And you could just see the love that his players had for him. How cool was it? And I saw a report, before I get into your analysis of the game, your quick analysis, I saw a report that UCF is singling out Kevin Sumlin for the next head coach at UCF. Yeah, that would be a big-time hire. I don't know if he'd go there, but... That'd be a huge hire for that program. Get a big name in there. Right now, there's a lot of excitement around that program, and obviously the rest of Florida, besides Miami, is really down right now with Florida having a bad year, Florida State having a bad year. Uh, so for them, they got to hit it while it's hot right now in the recruiting trail. Take advantage of the momentum they have built. But good for Scott Frost. He's going back home to Nebraska. He deserves it. You think about it, two years ago, they were 0-12. With him at head now, coach? No, no. This was okay. this was, this was was uh, O'Leary's last year there. Gotcha. They were 0-12. He's out. Scott Frost comes in next year. They win six or seven games last year. And then now all of a sudden they're undefeated this year. Have a heck of a year offensively they've just been explosive i knew it just if you just want to look we talked about the previous five games for both teams scoring over 40 points each per game there's a lot of offense man a lot of offense really surprised me riley ferguson who i said wasn't extremely accurate had a really good game through for 474 71 yards and four touchdowns but mackenzie milton had a great game almost thrown for 500 through for five touchdowns 
But I got to tell you what, Scott Frost, you're going back to him. What an unbelievable young coach. And Nebraska has a guy that they may have for 15, 20 years right now. I mean, he could be there for a long time. The respect he's earned. And not only him going to Nebraska, he kind of learned now. And I think he got a lot of recruits excited in the state of Florida. Like, hey, if I go to Scott Frost, his type of offense he excelled with at UCF. Now I go to Nebraska. They can get a little bit better defensively, hopefully. But now he can dip into Florida, get get some of these Florida recruits to hopefully uh, decide they want to go to Nebraska, be in his type of offense, and uh, he could be pretty dangerous in that league. I'm really excited to see what he can do. I tell you what, it'll speak volumes of his head coaching abilities if he can make Nebraska relevant again. I mean, that is a historically he turned powerhouse UCF program. That was 0 and 12 yes. to 12 and 0 in two seasons. No, you're so. totally right. And I, did you ever take a visit to Nebraska? I mean, I don't think a Florida boy like no yourself chance. would go out there, but I, I think they have. Some of the best facilities in all of America. They have two separate indoor facilities for football. That's just crazy. They've got a wild amount amounts of money. So good for Scott Frost, good for UCF, and they are playing Auburn in the Peach Bowl right here in Atlanta. One more game I want to touch on, Aaron, real quick. Oklahoma handles TCU. I picked this game wrong. I thought Gary Patterson, the second time around, a defensive-minded head coach at TCU, I thought he'd be able to draw something up to combat Baker Mayfield and that electric offense that Lincoln Riley tees up for them, the head coach at Oklahoma. Simply put, though, I just don't think Oklahoma, I mean TCU has the athletes to match up with what Oklahoma presents on the offensive side of the ball. And your boy, your man crush, Aaron, wrapped up the Heisman Trophy. This dude's a stud. And I was reading his story. Uh, One of my good friends, Tony Morelli, shout out to Tony, sent me Baker Mayfield's story from when he walked on at TCU, transferred to Oklahoma, walked on at Oklahoma. I mean, this guy has defied all odds, Aaron, and he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. He was playing intramural softball, waiting to become eligible to walk on at Oklahoma, and now he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Really cool. Hard not to root for a guy like that. Of course, he may cross a few lines every now and then. He is highly, highly competitive. I have a lot of respect for him, and you have made me a Baker Mayfield fan. Yeah, and, and I know he crossed the line with his antics on, on the field and all the craziness that he does, but I think... It, it's it probably drives up the people shoulder. watching it, it it drives the people watching nuts it drives the announcers nuts but i tell you what the players around him on offense and defense they love it his teammates absolutely love the energy he brings week in and week out they love the annex it gets everyone juice and their defense is playing a lot better to finish the season off right now holding the tcu to only 17 points and what i tell you kenny hill does not have the eye of the tiger he didn't uh, you bring said it. it dude. You Baker said it Mayfield week. has the eye of the tiger Four tutties having a great day. And I'll tell you what TCU's defense looked awful. I mean, Baker would just go back out there and he was launching balls on them all day long. And we want to talk about all these other great quarterbacks, the quarterback at UCLA, the quarterback at USC, all these big arms they are going to be drafted in the first round. These guys need to start looking at Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Cause he can throw every single ball you could possibly want. You look on the film all year long. He's throwing the post route. He's throwing the inside fade. He's throwing the out cut from the opposite side of the hash. He can run it. He has good size, not great size, but he has good size. There's no reason why I, I look. It's the it's the extracurriculars that he does that kind of scares these scouts. But 
if you want to talk about a winner, a competitor, he has the arm strength, probably throws one of the best deep balls in college football. He crosses off everything you want from a quarterback, Can he the do leadership that? as well. Can you do that in a pro-style offense? Can that Why tra- not? Can that translate in the NFL? They'll work with him. They'll okay. figure out he has everything you want. Okay, yeah. I mean, all these other guys, the USC, the UCLA, I mean, these guys are still the majority of the time in shotgun throwing the ball. No, you're totally There's right. very few true offenses that get in the I formation. Statistically, those guys at West don't even compare to what Baker Mayfield's putting up, right? I mean, it's not, it's not even on the same chapter. Well, the Big 12 defenses are pretty bad. So, I mean, obviously, major, major advantage to Baker Mayfield, yeah. but... Like I said, there's very few offenses nowadays that are in that true eye formation where you're going to utilize the play action, have a fullback in the game, Alabama, Georgia. It's just very, very few still do it. Majority of them, if their quarterback's on their center, it's still in a three re- three receiver set with a tight end and one running back. Uh, so I think all these guys are going to have a transition getting in the NFL, kind of molding into those pro style guys. Like So Baker Mayfield is just along with the rest of them. But like I said, he's a proven winner. He's a competitor. There's just a lot to like about this kid. So he's another guy that's going to be interesting in the draft this year where he ends up because I think he's continually to creep up in those first couple rounds. Yeah, I mean, with it all on the line and a college football playoff berth at stake, he went 15-23, 243 yards, and four well, touchdowns. Quick question. Please. Who would, you, who would you take right now? Because we're going to talk about off-the-field antics. You're talking about in the NFL? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield or Johnny Manziel? Who are you oh, taking? God, I mean, come on. It's who are you taking? In the NFL today? If you had if you had the Browns pick at whenever they picked Dude, Manziel, this is 20-something, so, who are you taking? This is such an easy answer. It's Johnny Manziel. I'm just uh, kidding. I'm just kidding. It is Baker Mayfield 100%. Yes. There's no doubt. I mean, he has proven it. And I'm going to ask you this question. And just to clarify... The correct answer is Baker Mayfield. That's what I'm going with. Is the Heisman Trophy wrapped up? If you had a vote, is it is it locked and loaded? You're going Baker Mayfield, Oh, it's right? 100%. It's Baker Mayfield. Obviously, Bryce Love was the, the second guy heading into this weekend, and, and he had a good game, but they didn't win, and he still was a distant second. And we all know the majority of the time this is a QB award, and Baker has had yeah. an unbelievable season week in and week out. Even the game they lost, he still had an excellent game. So it's wrapped up. It would be 100% in his favor if he didn't get in trouble those couple of times. But I think everyone's going to look past this and understand that he is the best player in all of college football. He is deserving of it, and he's put his team in a, a chance to go out there and win a national championship now. That would be so cool. I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet out this article um, that tells the story of Baker Mayfield and what all he's gone through to get to where he is. But when he hoists that Heisman Trophy, he will have an extremely unique story. So props to him. Uh, props to University of Oklahoma, and very cool because Georgia will be playing a Heisman Trophy winner when it comes to the Rose Bowl. And when he's at the Heisman Trophy, you know what? He'll be wearing a suit, okay? And when he's wearing a suit, he'll be wearing dress shoes. And when you wear dress shoes, Aaron, you need to wear dress socks. Socks. Baker may not wear sock fancy because they were founded by two University of Georgia grads, but we're going to do everything we can to persuade him to wear sock fancy socks. So if Baker Mayfield's girlfriend is listening to the Punt and Pass podcast, which she probably is, get this. Sockfancy.com has teamed up with the Punt and Pass podcast to help you take care of your Christmas gift Shopping and right now you can go to sockfancy.com slash punt and pass and get an 
extra pair of socks added to any subscription for free. Again, that's SockFancy.com slash PuntPass. Enter the code PuntPass at checkout. The code is P-U-N-T-P-A-S-S at checkout, and you will get a free pair of socks added to your subscription when you enter that promo code checking out. The holidays are here. Get your ass in gear. Start shopping now. Cross off your list with the perfect gift. These sock fancy subscriptions, which can be three months, six months, nine months, or a year long, are the best. Sock Fancy handles the rest. All the shipping is free, Aaron, around the world. If you get a pair of socks, maybe you're, maybe the color or the pattern is not matching your vibe, you ship them back to them for free. They'll send you a new pair back at no charge. Sock Fancy is, sock fancy is simply the best. So one more time, that's SockFancy.com slash PuntPass. The promo code is PuntPass, P-U-N-T-P-A-S-S, and you will get an extra pair of socks added to any subscription for free. So shout out to Sock Fancy. It's Christmas time. I, I know I mentioned it last week, but I'm sitting in the same spot. I'm looking at my beautiful tree. My stockings are hung with care. All the decorations are up, and dude, the dogs are SEC champions. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm. Let's keep rolling with our game breakdowns. One that I called, okay, one that I called was Clemson winning by three touchdowns or more. I said it with conviction, Aaron. I said this one's getting out of hand early. I love Coach Rick. I love what Miami has accomplished all throughout 2017. But Clemson was clearly the better team, and they were going to smoke Miami, and it was going to be over early. And guess what? I get back to the hotel last night, and it's 21 nothing, and I'm just kind of rubbing my hands together saying, DB, you done did it again, baby. Yeah, it was over early. I remember looking at it. We were watching after the bar. We kind of hustled right after the game. Uh, found a nice quiet place to kind of sit down, have some food, have some drinks, and, and watch the rest of college football and see how the thing would final up. And and that's how you what Kelly Bryant, 23, 29, 252 and a touchdown. He's proven that he's not only a runner this year, but he's taking that next step with his accuracy because this is a good Miami football team, especially on the defensive side of the football. They've proven they can get turnovers, stop opponent quarterbacks. He did an awesome job against a tough team and they just whooped their butt and everything's just seemed to go right for Clemson. I remember Kelly Bryant threw a deep ball over the middle of the field. Miami knocks it out, and all of a sudden, they, Clemson just jumps back on it somehow. It's just the ball bounced their way the entire night. Just wasn't Miami's night. And then Malik Rozier, we said he couldn't turn the ball over this game. He had two interceptions, completed less than 50% of his passes. They couldn't get the run game going, only 104 yards total as an offense. So things just didn't go well, and it just shows you how strong this Clemson defense is. They are physical. They are fast. And they are dangerous. And and I know we we joked earlier. You're definitely not a bandwagon fan, Drew. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have your back. Thank you. They are just a damn good football team, from defensively to offensively. Especially once they got this young quarterback, Kelly Bryant, rolling this season. He has the confidence now, and uh, they're they're right there. They're the best team in the country, man. There is a reason why they are number one. But still, shout out to Miami. Yeah, I mean that's a sure. great season for, for sure. Coach Rick. Awesome season. They're gonna be in a great bowl game. But I just saw a video. This is hilarious. Clemson, after the game, they get some little oh, clippers <laughs> and just chop the Miami turnover chain in half. I, love I loved it. it, man. I loved it. That's what it's all and about. It's what it's about. You know, it's it's all about having fun, celebrating these big wins, celebrating the opportunity. 
to continue your season, be in the playoffs, and maybe win a national championship. I've been saying it all year long. A healthy Clemson is the best team in the nation. That front seven, you just said it, Aaron. Miami could not match up with them. They could not get my Clemson to play undisciplined football. Clemson was carrying and holding on to the football with care, and if Miami can't get turnovers, we've been saying it all season long, they are at risk to lose football games one more game we're going to touch on before we get to fan questions and then put a bow on it with our sec championship recap the big 10 championship okay and it's just going to lead me into one fan question that we're going to get before we talk about the sec championship ohio state was a favorite they were not ranked as high as wisconsin wisconsin was number four and undefeated ohio state beats wisconsin 27 to 21 and aaron you took the points, and we called this game at six and a half. Ohio State was giving six and a half. They won by six, so the hook got you. You went five and zero oh because of this. Anything surprising here? I mean, I'm just glad like Wisconsin didn't get embarrassed because the Big Ten would have taken a very, very bad look if that would have happened. Well, we said from the beginning, Alex Hornibrook, the quarterback for Wisconsin, Hornibrook, neat, fun name, Hornibrook, Hornibrook's a phenomenal <laughs> name to say. But we said from the beginning. He needs to just have a good game. We don't need him to have a great game, just a good game. Protect the football, complete some passes, and that's it. And he looked, I'm talking about, he looked awful. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't hit a screen. I saw back-to-back screen plays, and he dirted one and threw one about five feet over the guy's head. 19 of 40, 229, and two interceptions. Two interceptions. And 19 he just, of 40. Yeah, he looked awful, awful. I mean, and I don't think he's a great quarterback. First off, I'm not going to say he's, you know, any guy that's going to blow your, your doors off, but you got to have a better game than that, man. You just got to complete some passes, complete some screens. We weren't even asking much from you. And then they couldn't get the run game going. Jonathan Taylor, probably his worst game of the season, only 41 yards, but big props to Ohio state. They played great defensively. They knew their game plan. Stop the run early, make Hornibrook book, throw the football. They knew he wasn't very accurate. They did that. And that's why they had success. But JT bear didn't have a great game himself. He had a couple picks, but Ohio State, they gave the committee some thinking to do, and they did their job. They had, And at the end of the day, they still have a Big Ten championship, at least to hold their hat on, and uh, they're going to have some sweet rings made up for that, even though they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, it's crazy to think since JT Barrett has been the quarterback at Ohio State for 27 years, that was the first time he had won a Big Ten championship as the starting quarterback because, remember, he was injured when they won the Big Ten uh, with Cardell Jones playing. He was not in it because he was injured. But Urban Meyer had some things to say after the game, talking about they deserve a shot. Uh, you know, they've proven it as a conference champion. They they need to be in the Final Four, the college football playoff top four. Uh, that was proven not to be the case because Alabama was named the fourth team in the college football playoff despite not even playing for a conference championship. Which leads me to my first question, Aaron. You tweeted out earlier today, um, at Aaron Murray 11, you said, hey, at Punt and Pass Podcast, we are going to take some fan questions. This is the first question I'm going to bring up to you. And again, we're going to get to the SEC championship here in just a bit. But this was a fantastic question, Aaron. RealPop075 tweets at us and says, if Georgia was in the SEC West and Bama was in the SEC East and everything had played out the same way it did this year, would Georgia have gotten into the playoff? I'll give you one simple answer. Hell no. Bama got in off name brand. Bama got in off their 
history in the past 10 years of what they've done in football. And if Georgia had been on the outside looking in and not even have played for an SEC championship, there is no way in hell Georgia would have even gotten a look, despite how good their resume is, to be the fourth-ranked team in the nation. Great question, Real Pop 075. Yeah, I completely agree with that statement. Alabama has built it up. I mean, this is their fourth time going to the playoffs. They've been every single year. They've built the credibility with winning championships, being there year in and year out. So I think they 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 kind of snuck their way in, but they deserve it just going on their past and, and what Coach Saban has done there with that program. And also, if you put if you put Alabama in the East, I'm saying they're rolling through everyone. <laughs> well, they would do and exactly what Georgia did I, this year. Yep. They would roll through everyone just like Georgia did. They would be playing. Uh, they would have say they would have lost to Auburn because they would have been an in-state rivalry. And that's the game you would always play, even though if it's East and West, they would have had that rematch against Auburn at a neutral site. And then we saw it this weekend, what a neutral site does when you're not playing yep. at Jordan here, the advantage for the opponent um, so I think Alabama would have then turned around and beat Auburn in the SEC championship game, and then they would be the number three team going into these playoffs. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and you said it last week. It was not a neutral site. Georgia fans took it over Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There was a small sliver of Auburn fans there. They were loud when they needed to be, but early in the fourth quarter, Georgia was taking it away, and Auburn fans dipped and went ahead and hit 85 south and got on home okay one more question about that fourth seed this is from dorothy strickland dorothy i think she gives out her phone number here dorothy 937-90391 so if anybody wants to shout out at dorothy i think that's her phone number she asks your thoughts on alabama and ohio state was the 31 point loss a factor when choosing alabama over ohio state do you think that was the end-all be-all ohio state losing at iowa 31 point spread Oh, 100%. You yeah. lose to an Iowa team, especially late in the season like that. It, at least we go back to Clemson. They lost to Syracuse. It was a close. It was a closer game. It was earlier on in the season, and then Clemson's kind of rebounded and just been crushing ever since then. So I think the committee kind of just gave Clemson a pass at, okay, listen, whatever. That was kind of a, a crazy game. It was a Friday night game. You guys just weren't up and ready to go. We'll give you a pass. We'll move on from that. But to lose by 31 points to Iowa that late in the season. And also like we've been saying the inconsistency Ohio state played with throughout the year. I think the committee highly looked at that and decided uh, this team has just not proven enough that they deserve to be a top four team this year. This is a great question. This one's from Jacob Skiles at Jacob Skiles, a buddy and I were talking about this earlier today, but if Georgia had lost to Clemson and LSU like Auburn did, and then won the sec title, do you think Georgia would have gone to the playoffs? Say it one more time for me. If Georgia had the same resume as Auburn, okay, losing yes. to Clemson and LSU, but did win the SEC title, do you think Georgia would have been in the Final Four? Yeah, 100%. Okay, okay. I think I think the SEC champion, just like if Auburn would have won, would have made it to the final uh, final game and been in there, or into the playoffs and been in there with a chance to, chance to win a national championship. Okay, I'm getting news breaking across my phone right now. Um, take it for what it's worth. I'm not going to say this is the gospel, but they say Phil Fulmer has supposedly reached out to Mel Tucker, Georgia's defensive coordinator, about the Tennessee head coaching vacancy. So let's watch out for that, Aaron. That's uh, that's a good name. One thing we do need to talk about, and I got a really interesting question. <laughs> I have to bring it up, but unfortunately – 
Uh, and I cannot judge these guys. I will say that they made bad decisions. That's obvious. But uh, with all the high emotions going on last night and with Georgia getting back to Athens in due time to have a correct celebration, two guys did get arrested Saturday night. Natrez Patrick, who has fallen on hard times before, got arrested again. And Jason Stanley got arrested for driving under the influence of drugs. People are just asking us in general, what do you make of that? Um let me just take this one first, Aaron. It's tough to say because these guys are in college. It is highly emotional. Athens is the best college town in America, especially when you're looking to have a good time. I would put the onus, of course, at first on Natrez and Jason Stanley, but you know, you got to be your brother's keepers, Aaron. You and I have been out many, many times with our boys. Sometimes we're the more responsible ones, and we take care of those guys. And sometimes, unfortunately, we're the less responsible ones, and our buddies take care of us, especially on a night like last night. You just got to be there for each other, and you got to tell those guys, hey, don't do that. Yeah, you have to. You got to uh, – it's tough, man. You want to celebrate. You want to have fun. You want to go out there. And I mean, it's a, it's been a while since we've won the SEC championship game. Obviously, getting into the playoffs is exciting, but – I know, I know Kirby's just scratching his head today because he has just yeah. preached discipline, discipline, whether it's football, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's out in Athens having a good time, just be responsible, be grown up, be grown men. I mean, you're not, yeah, you're not exactly. in high school anymore. You know, you are a grown man. You're on your own. You need to do your own thing. But that's why also you got to surround yourself with your teammates, with guys who you're going to make sure are going to make sure you're not an idiot or doing something stupid to not only hurt yourself, but hurt the team. And you just don't want any distractions. The distractions is the key, and that's what Nick Saban hates. That's what Kirby hates. That's what all these coaches hate are the outside distractions. Anything that's not focused on the game and what's going on, it kills a team. It kills momentum. So uh, luckily we have three weeks to kind of figure out and, 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 and go from there. I totally agree. We're getting a lot of questions about the Georgia-Oklahoma matchup. We're going to save those for later editions of Punt and Pass when we are breaking down what's to come in the Rose Bowl, but I got a very interesting one, Aaron. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'll answer it first if you want me to, but Alan Brooks, at I am Alan Brooks, says, on the scale of Tim Tebow to Johnny Manziel, if Tim is a zero and Johnny is a 10, I think he's talking (laughs) personality-wise, where does Baker Mayfield fit? Zero is Tim, Johnny is a 10. He is a seven. You're just going to go no, 6.6. Okay, good. 6.6. You think so? You think he's a 6.6? I would lean like more towards a 6.9. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Listen, he, I I don't know. uh, It's it's a great question, Alan Brooks. I think most of his stuff has been, I mean, everyone's been upset with him. The majority of it, 85% of his stuff has been on the field where I think Johnny is more 67% of the stuff is what he does off the field. So yeah. I think that is where it concerns me a little bit more. I think you can work on uh, his emotions on the field and you can improve that. I think off the field uh, and all the stuff that Johnny dealt with is a little harder to kind of combat as a coach and, and as a friend. Absolutely. All right. It's time to talk about the SEC championship game, what we saw, what we knew was going to come, what we witnessed before we get to the SEC championship game. One more question. And I want a yes or a no answer. Chris Cardillo, at Cardillo Chris 34 asks both of us and the podcast, can Roquan Smith run for president and still be eligible to play in the Rose Bowl? 
I tell you what, make him the mayor of Athens. <laughs> Dude, make I totally him the agree. mayor. He is an totally absolute. Agree. He is a top five pick in the draft next year. Yeah, he's a stud. Easy. He's he, a stud. He could also legitimately be invited to New York for the Heisman Trophy. He has been that dominant on the defensive yes. side of the ball. And speaking of that, he was the MVP of the SEC Championship game, the 2017 SEC Championship game was Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on CBS inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs beat the second-ranked Auburn Tigers by a score of 28-7. to Aaron, Georgia, when we picked it, was a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Saturday morning, they were a one-point favorite. This line switched four points Overnight, and I have it on good notice that this is exactly what happened. I talked to some guys who are pretty tuned in in Las Vegas. This was also through 680 The Fan. They said that when those four-point swings overnight happen, this is what happens, Aaron. Like six to ten guys fly in, these big, big money makers fly into Vegas, and they spread out, and they hit all these sports books, and they each individually bet at every sports book $75,000 to $100,000 at a time, and they were buying the Georgia points. They're sitting there going, hey, we see what's going to happen. Let's get the points where we can get them, and they literally put so much money down across the city of Las Vegas that they moved the point spread. Four points made Georgia a closing favorite. Georgia backed it up. The defense was unbelievable. They fought through a lot of adversity. They battled the referees as too, Aaron. You and I were both in the stadium. It was extremely emotional in there. Georgia had their, held their heads high, and they delivered when it mattered most. 28-7. to Friday night, I picked it, Aaron. I said it was going to be a double-digit win for Georgia. And you looked at me and said, I like your pick, but... I picked the over. You said this one will be well under the 48 total. So combined our predictions together. And honestly, dude, nobody, I've read it. I've researched it. Nobody picked the game the way you and I did. And I think that goes to show we know what the hell we're talking about. One, because we've played the game. And two, because we're smart and handsome. Yeah, I, I agree with two mostly. Yes, no, I'm sir. kidding. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, but man, what an awesome game. We were both there, and and then we got to just relax a little bit. Actually, I didn't get to relax much. I had, I was kind of, for the second quarter and most of the third quarter, I had to go around to different boxes and, and do some work. But then actually the midway through the third quarter and the fourth quarter, I just got to sit back, relax, be a fan, and just enjoy. And we stayed throughout it. I mean, we stayed through the the trophy celebration, uh, just really reveling in it. It was awesome to see. Uh, and then we talked about it. The, the majority of the people in the stands were Georgia fans. We knew it was going to be a little bit more of a home field advantage for the dogs, but it was loud the entire game. It was fun. It was exciting. And I got a little nervous there. I tell you what, the the fumble by Jared Stidham, and when they're inside about what was it, about the 10-yard line, yeah. that completely changed the game because if Auburn goes up four, if Auburn goes up 14 nothing or 10 nothing at that point, it is a completely different football game. Completely was, different. There were huge game-swinging plays throughout the yes. entire four quarters. I mean, the blocked field goal. Uh, there was a couple sacks. Davin Bellamy with the sack, uh, strip sack. Um, you know, obviously, DeAndre Swift, 64-yard touchdown burst. That was awesome. But the referees, man, holy Ooh. cow. Okay, now, when we were in the stadium... 
um, when DeAndre Baker got the interception, they called a face mask. Nobody saw that there actually was a face mask at the line of scrimmage, so that call was vindicated. Where it mattered most, Aaron, and you were just talking about the what-ifs. What if Auburn went up 14 nothing? Georgia got a touchdown taken away from them, and they had to settle for a field goal when I think – was it Isaac Nauta was called for a offense? Or is Javon Wims? Trey Matthews pushed Javon Wims into a crossing route, and three people fell down. Gary Danielson supposedly was going to bat for the referee, saying, this is the correct call. This is the correct call. This is offensive interference or offensive holding, whatever they called. Clearly, that was not the case. Georgia missed out on four points. They should have had 32 points in Aaron. I picked the dogs to have 31 points, but I know you remember that, dude. The boos were deafening oh, the inside the stadium. Well, and then earlier in the game when there was supposedly a late hit on Jared Sidham oh, as we were taking him to the goodness. ground, that was the worst. And I'm, an, I'm a huge advocate for, for not hitting the quarterback late, protecting he the quarterback. He never even wrapped up. No, he was going down as he's getting rid of the football. So that was – that that point, it kind of was like really – come on. And I know everyone early on with Baker – uh, with the pass interference on the first drive, everyone was upset about that one. But it was definitely a grab. Yeah, I think you that know, that was definitely a pass interference. I think but, you, I think you call some of those one way, call some the other ways, and then you have the no calls, which which I think the refs did a fairly good job on yep. that. But keep going, Aaron. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Well, we we got we got some calls our way too. Yes, There's a couple I, I against Auburn that even late in the game there was a late hit, which I don't believe was a late hit they against Auburn made, that they put made us made up for it. Yeah, yeah they yeah. made up for it throughout the game. So. Uh, you do expect that type of game to have the best, not only teams, coaches, but also the referees. That's supposed to be the best of the best guys out there calling that game. And and they seemed a little nervous, too, and a little flag happy and, and want to flex their muscles on national TV. Oh you know, all those God. refs, they're all jacked up nowadays, and they want to just give the touchdown signal so they look like they can show their biceps <laughs> off. But can I, give you I tell you what, on, can I give you props on one thing? Was that? Um, being in person and watching Jarrett Sidham sit in the pocket and deliver balls downfield, that dude can spin it. He, he has can got spin it. A great arm, and, and he you, was you he tell. moved around well. Yeah, you can just tell. Like when he's when he's pushing the ball downfield, you're like, damn, this this dude's gonna play at the next level, dude. He and it's effortless. Yeah. It's almost like it just comes off his hands. He's not muscling it. But you want I want to give props to one guy on Auburn, and, and I just think he's a warrior and. And it kind of upset me before the game, and everyone was like, "Oh, let's just let's injure him, let's injure him." Yeah, Carry on Johnson is an absolute warrior. No question, warrior. Dude, the hits he was you taking, could you tell could he was him. in pain. You can tell he was in pain, and he wanted to go out. Then I felt so. I mean, obviously, I was excited when the when the fumble occurred, and 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 that really just sealed the deal. But you can tell he was doing whatever he could to stay on that field to give his team the best chance, and you could tell he was in pain yeah and some and some Auburn long, fans would say it was tough to see man some Auburn fans would say you know hey well he shouldn't have been playing or some media members would say the coaches should not have allowed him to play there was absolutely no way in hell carry on Johnson was going to take no, no for no the answer the dude is a warrior he is a fantastic running back but honestly Georgia did what what the majority of teams have done against carry on Johnson this entire season, his breakout game was against Georgia when he got those 32 carries and went for over 160 yards. Kirby did an unbelievable job with the defensive game planning. I thought Jim Chaney did a fantastic, fantastic job with the offensive play calling. Jake Fromm, wow, as a true freshman, Aaron, it's just really cool to Ooh. see. And When you have that run game and the offensive line that has progressed week after week, which has 
culminated in becoming SEC champions. That's what it's all about. And I'm going to give one shout-out to one player. This dude is massive, and they put him in there for a size upgrade. Ben Cleveland is a mm. redshirt freshman. That dude is so giant. damn big. I, I'm on the I'm on the field going, oh, oh my god, that guy's 19 years old. Yeah, they got some big boys. That's why I'm excited about the future. But going back to Fromm, I tell you what, his composure as a young kid Very and, and his, what he goes out there and does, and I, I got to credit. Go back to Cheney. What a great game plan. He mixed it up. He he passed it on first what down, passed on second down. He stuck to the run game. They started off slow. That I was nervous. They got into some long yes. third downs, and you saw Auburn. They got after from hit him around a little bit in that first quarter. It looked like everyone just settled down, and you even saw Sony with the first pitch kind of fumbled it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They settled down as an offense. They relaxed. They started throwing the ball a little bit better. The run lanes. They continued to commit to the run game. Forty-one rushes for two hundred thirty-eight yards. They stuck to it. The big runs came throughout the game, and obviously the late one with DeAndre Swift, the one that kind of you know just sealed the deal for sure, uh, was awesome to see. And it's awesome to see that offensive line really take the ownership, saying, "Yeah, we knew we had a rough game. We knew the first time we didn't play Auburn, we played Auburn. We did not play great in the run game, in the pass game." And Cheney knew he's like, "Listen, we're not gonna, we're not we're not as big as this Auburn defensive line. We're Those not gonna be able just to massive. run down." We're not going to run, be able to run dive plays. He did a better job of sweeps, of getting to the outside, get to the edges, use your speed of your running backs, use the speed of Sony, use the speed of Swift, get those guys to the sideline and let them just excel and finish it from there. Absolutely. Auburn's defensive line, this, the sheer size was absolutely crazy. Huge shout-out to the entire coaching staff. And Aaron, we're going to wrap this thing up in a second. But what happened on the first play of the game? What, what Did they put the wide receiver in motion and maybe a little crack back yeah, on the end? I tell you what, I think they were listening to the Pun Pass podcast, and they knew they needed to set the tone real early with it. a little we crack back. I we love said, it. We said it Friday night live at Sweetwater. Dude, we could talk about this game forever, and I think that's exactly what we may do because we're going to do another show this Thursday, talk about more of the recaps of the Final Four. We're going to talk about more of the bowl matchups coming up, and we have a lot to talk about within these next couple hey. of weeks. One thing I want to mention, though, Aaron, speaking of well, bowl quick, games, quick, yeah, please, please, go ahead, please. I just want your quick take. I just want a yes or no from you. Okay. Do you think by our next show, Tennessee will have a head coach? I would hope so, and I would think <laughs> so. You said it all last week. They were waiting for USC to be done with the Pac-12 championship game. T. Martin, baby. T. Martin. I, T. Don't, Martin. I don't think that'll happen, um, and I, I told you my conspiracy theory because Peyton Manning still wants to be recognized at every halftime of every Tennessee <laughs> home game. You're silly. I know. I'm silly. Um, but speaking about bowl season – Fans, listeners, talk to me about this. If we started an ESPN Bowl Pick'em League, would you sign up and would you be interested in winning maybe an Aaron Murray signed jersey? And I don't know what you want from a punter. I can sign a football for you. I can sign cleats for you. I can sign babies. I'll sign just about anything. But let's get a giveaway contest going for a Bowl Pick'em League Tweet at us if you're interested. Let us know what you think about that. But we're going to continue to break down the SEC championship game throughout the week, Aaron. Um, we have so much to talk about for the next month or so, and I think there's probably going to be a few more live podcast taping opportunities. Anything on the way out there, Murray? I know you and Sharon got a movie to go to. 
Yeah, movie time for us. We hey, once again, thank you for buying our tickets, Drew, tonight. Yes, sir. Super sweet of you for sponsoring popcorn. our date night. So we'll get some extra jelly beans or something because it was favorite my favorite. Candy? What's your favorite candy? Dude, I'm a big jelly bean fan. I don't Are know you what it is. Serious? I like candy corn, so people always get on me about that. But I like those too. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Well, so. hey, y'all have fun at the movie. We're gonna come back and do another episode of Punt and Pass on Thursday. We appreciate you listening all last week. We appreciate you coming out and supporting us at Sweetwater and at Stats for Aaron Murray. That's at Aaron Murray Eleven. I'm Drew Butler. That's Drew Butler. 13. You have been listening to the Punt and Pass podcast, and we will talk to all of you on Thursday afternoon. See you.